Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, you ready to let the dogs out? What? Do what? <laughs> let the dogs out. You know, like, who let the dogs out? Who, who? Off the Hook, airing on offthehooksports.com. Your home for real news, real opinions, and what really matters about Tennessee athletics. Always available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeart. Like, share, follow, subscribe. Always available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Here we go. Good morning to you and yours on a Tuesday. He is Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker, and we've got a special show lined up today. We're going to visit with John Wilkerson, the voice of the Diamond Balls, and just an all-around great guy as Tennessee's first pitch goes out for the season this upcoming week as Tennessee baseball has certainly uh, become a real thing under Tony Vitello. And last season was just uh, fantastic and newsworthy in a lot of different ways. And I'm curious, uh, Caleb Calhoun, what you think of this upcoming baseball season? I like Tennessee's pitching. Will they have the same hitting as last year? Probably not. But I think this pitching can take Tennessee a long way. How about you? Yeah, I think uh, pitching – in baseball, as you know, the baseball NCAA tournament is the most random tournament ever. It is the it is not conducive to who the best team is. It's about who gets red hot. And all be postseason is kind of similar now with so many teams in. But one way to minimize randomness is with great pitching. And I, I believe Tennessee has that at a level that a lot of other programs don't. So that's going to make this interesting. Yep, very true. And also, we're going to talk about Tennessee's basketball struggles. Can the balls rebound? against Alabama on uh, Wednesday night. So an absolute ton going on and a lot of recruiting news too. 
our own Caleb Giroux has it on offthehooksports.com. It'll post throughout the weekend and or out the week, I should say. And also, should the Vols checker Thompson Bowling Arena for the Alabama game on Wednesday? They did it against Kentucky. They've done it, I think, six times in football. Um, and so Tennessee basketball hosting the number one team in the nation. I just get the feeling that's going to be uh, a big win or a really disappointing loss. And I don't think there's any in between given what's happened the past couple of weeks. And also Tennessee signed a top 10 class in the 2023 recruiting cycle. They've signed top 10 classes before. How did they pan out? Not always great recruiting rankings are just that. So we appreciate you being on board. We're with you each and every morning at 10 a.m. And uh, videos throughout the day uh, with uh, Caleb Calhoun absolutely churning like there's no tomorrow. Smoky Mountain Red says, Batman. That's what I said. Caleb's rocking the Batman shirt with a sport coat. I absolutely love it. Click the thumbs up button if you like the Batman shirt. There you go. Why? So are you a Batman guy in general? Caleb? No, I just I actually just like the shirt. Um, I am not um, like yes. Do I think the Batman movies are probably the best ones? Yes, I do. I think just the nature of the story makes Batman more conducive to have good movies and Superman more conducive to have good shows. If that makes sense. Yes. Um, but um, you know, I just I, I think Batman has the coolest logo. So <laughs> it's. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, did, did you see the latest one with the young guy in it with the flop? He has big long hair and stuff. Did you see that one? No, I actually didn't. That's the funny thing about it. It's uh... it is a standalone good movie. Does not have to be about a superhero. It is very very good. You will you will be impressed. My son finally got me to watch it just a couple of weeks ago. He's a, a big superhero guy. So go ahead and click that like button if you haven't subscribed to the channel. Now we encourage you to do so. So, checkering Thompson Bowling for Alabama. Let's jump right into it. I'll remind you that portions of the program are brought to you by Craft Treats. Go to crafttreats.com, check out their chill pills with CBD, and they'll help your pet when it comes to digestive issues, social anxiety, car ride anxiety, and arthritis. Use the promo code off the hook. That's off the hook. Get 20% off crafttreats.com, all kinds of treats, including the CBD treats as well. Crafttreats.com, promo code. Off the hook. Checkering Thompson Bowling or Neyland Stadium, for that matter, does it help in your mind? What are your thoughts on the, the checkering? And I'll offer this disclaimer. I'm a guy who has covered games that I have to think really hard if Tennessee was wearing orange or white. I'm not a jersey guy. I'm not the extravaganza that goes around the game type of guy. So it doesn't do a lot for me. But if it does something for the fans, then that could be big time. What do you think of checkering in general, which Tennessee basically stole from Oklahoma, right? Did they steal from Oklahoma? I didn't know they did. They did. I think they were out there, and Oklahoma didn't do the checkering, but they did the the entire sections were, I don't know. Well, we, have to, we have to remember before they visited Oklahoma in 2014, the first checkering was 2006 in basketball when Tennessee checkered Thompson Bowling Arena for Kentucky – it was a it was a night where they were honoring Ray Mears. It was Bruce Pearl's first year. That was when Bruce Pearl decided we'll wear the orange jacket every time they play Vanderbilt in Kentucky. Um, okay, so I, that that's that's proof. I didn't I didn't remember that. I didn't remember. Yeah. That. So, so they they, lost, checkered, they checkered Thompson Bowling before Neyland? 
Yes, they did. They checkered Thompson Bowling in 2006. Um, lost that game to Kentucky, and it was actually an upset because Kentucky was struggling at the time. But I don't necessarily think it helps. I think it's good for the fans. I have to be honest. This was done so last minute. I'm not so sure this wasn't done out of desperation to try to generate fan interest because there was already a little bit of apathy behind this team being number two because of how we've watched this team play this year. And then they've lost three of four. And I think, I don't want to go here, but I want to do a little bit of history for you, Dave. You remember 2001 when uh, Tennessee basketball was number four under Jerry Green and then they started their little slide in February or January? Oh, yeah, that was, I remember that distinctly. That was the series of weeks in which they kept saying we've had a, a, a come to Jesus meeting or a players only meeting or uh, this is uh, the, the final buzzer. We got to get this straight. They had like eight of those meetings and none of, none of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do know distinctly there's a story. Um, it was written years ago on Rocky Top Talk, funny enough, about, about the end of the 2009 deck, about the end of the 2000s decade that apparently there was a three-game homestand with Florida, Georgia, and Kentucky that was supposed to fix everything, and they sold like these not in our house shirts or something like that. And it was, and everybody was supposed to wear them for the game. And this was going to get Tennessee back on track, and they lost all three games. <laughs> and um, so I, I know they checkered Nalen in football, and you get it. Tennessee basketball is hosting the number one team in the nation, but. I don't know. Something about this just seems like we've got to generate some interest and excitement behind this basketball team to fix what's ailing the program right now. And it feels forced to you. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. It feels forced to me. Um, And so I personally look, I'm a fan of a lot of different traditions. I love the black jerseys. I love the smoky grays. I think those are the coolest things. Well, those are traditions. (laughs) Those are new. No, I mean, but new traditions and new flair. New flair. Look, running through the tra- running through the tea wasn't a tradition until Doug Dickey started it. So, I mean, you know, all traditions w- were new at one point. Um, I'm saying I'm a fan of those type of things and doing them. Um, not a fan of checkering. I got to be honest. I like the checkerboard end zones. Once you move it beyond the end zones, it looks tacky and no pun intended. It looks really square. Like, you know, when the dudes wear the checkerboard, the checker overalls. Are you talking about Nealon or Thompson Bowling or both? Both. Both. See, I, don't like I love kneeling. No, I love it when it looks checkered. It looks like the most boomer thing ever. Okay. <laughs> and, boomer. And what does boomer mean? You're using baby boomer. Baby, if, you, you ever heard oh. the okay boomer phrase for the boomer generation? Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I haven't heard that. All right. So it looks like something my parents would put together. A bunch of old, yeah, a bunch of a bunch of old squares that probably think that like, you know, that, 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 that'll tell you how basketball was better when there was no three point line. And, and so, I mean, it's uh, it just looks the whole checkering thing. Again, I feel the same with the checkerboard overalls. It just makes Tennessee look like, so you're trying to recruit to a younger generation and you look so square. No pun intended. No, you look so like, like well, you know. the, check, the checkered overalls. Just um, That's never been a fan. Uh, it's never been a fave of mine, but all right, so if, if you're watching, I want to hear live on the message board as we're live at 10 a.m., but also if you're watching this video later, post below, do you like the checkerboard at Neyland or Thompson Bowling? Because I think Caleb's going to be in a big-time minority here. I love it. Um, now, I don't get caught up into it, and I can't tell you the record that Tennessee has had in either football or basketball like some people can. Oh, they're 6-1 and one when they checker Neyland. I don't know. You probably do. I don't. But – I think it looks pretty cool. Now, 
I will side with you on this. I think this is hastily put together. I think this is to console a frustrated fan base that right now really wonders what this basketball team is all about because this basketball team is wondering what it's all about. They don't have their identity. And the idea for Danny White and the Tennessee administration department and the athletic department is to put together something to get things on the right path again. Me, I would only check her Thompson Bowling for Kentucky. To me, that's the one school. And I know Alabama's number one in the nation. I know there's a rivalry there in football, but there's really not a rivalry in basketball. Let's be honest. Um, I, I, I wouldn't check her it for this. I wouldn't put it together because now if you put it together, there seems like there's even more pressure on this basketball team to respond to beat the number one team in the nation. If they don't, where is this fan base tomorrow night on Wednesday night, Caleb? They've checkered. They've done all this stuff. They've got excited about the team. And they've watched it play two weeks of bad basketball, culminating in checkering Thompson Bowling at a loss. If they lose, it just, to me, heightens the stakes. I don't think it was necessary. I agree. If, if they lose, it, um, it becomes a little bit – it becomes a much bigger letdown. And, I mean, I, I think – you're in very, very grave danger of honestly increasing fan apathy at that point. Because what happens if like, okay, you've got all this hype and everybody's excited and they're going to show up and, oh, we're going to win. And then there's a massive letdown. At that point, you can't build back the hype. And I think people will kind of just be like over the program at this point. Look, this is not a, this is not that fun of a team to watch. Quite honestly. (laughs) I mean, somebody could come on and argue that this team's better than it's looked the past couple of weeks. But nobody can argue that it's a fun team to watch. There's not that debate. That is, yes. that is not it's, out there. It's, 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 it's exactly where I felt I was. Now, this team's obviously better than this, but Jeremy Pruitt's last year when Tennessee was struggling down the stretch and going three and seven. And it's one thing to watch a team go three and seven if, like, you have a Mike Leach offense and you're throwing the ball all over the field. But if you're playing ball control and <laughs> – it's just, you know how horrible it is to cover a team like that? Well, you do, because you've had to cover a team like that. Yeah, I've covered a few like that. Smoky Mountain Red said, I love the checkerboard crowd, but I'm now canceling my checkered overalls order. I got to say, I don't blame you. The checkered <laughs> overalls have never really done it for me. So uh, post below again. We want to hear your thoughts. Checkered, checkered overalls and orange pants. Look at you, Derek Dooley. Orange pants are horrible. Always. <laughs> I agree with that. Uh, portions of the program brought to you by Zach England of Best and Brock. Zach England. Zach's got your back when it comes to a personal injury attorney in the Chattanooga area. Nobody is like Zach. Zach England of Best and Brock. Zach's got your back. He brings you Ron Slate each and every Wednesday. All right. So will this basketball team respond checkered or not against Alabama? I'm going to go out on a limb here. And I think think they do i've seen this happen a lot of times with talented teams now i did not think this team would fit into this little cubby hole i'm going to put them in but talented teams that have not met expectations i've covered a lot of teams like that um ron slay who i love was was on some teams like that that didn't reach their expectations so something tells me They are better than what we've seen in the past couple of weeks, and they'll put together a great effort at home, and they'll win, and then we'll be scratching our heads saying, well, that's a good win, but why didn't they play like that the previous two weeks? I would almost guarantee it, 
I don't gamble. You do. Um, but I think this is a lock. I think Tennessee beats Alabama on Wednesday, and I have very little doubt. There I go, out on the limb. Wow, Dave. Okay, I'm sorry. I disagree. I don't think they do. I don't think they do. I think Alabama wins, and I they could win running away, quite honestly. I'm going the exact opposite way of you right now. <laughs> um, I think that Alabama has – you know, a few two weeks ago, we thought Alabama was collapsing as a program. They had lost to Oklahoma by like 24 points in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Tennessee beats Texas. And there was no reason to believe that Tennessee wasn't the favorite to win the SEC. Since then, Alabama's just gotten on a roll. And, I mean, they're riding high after Auburn. They're 12-0. and Tennessee's 8-4. and If Alabama wins this game, I'm, I think they lock up the SEC regular season title already. That's something to play for. The um, – because they're twelve and zero. Oh no, they don't. Because Texas A&M is still right there. But that's another big reason for the Alabama to come out focused in this game. They're playing a top ten team, technically on the road. They are twelve and zero. Texas A&M is ten and two. They're trying to get, you know, clear, clear some, get some space for the SEC regular season title. Which I think, I think winning a conference regular season title means a lot more than winning a conference tournament title. That's just me. I don't know how you feel about that, but well, no, the conference tournament is just a money grab. Yeah, exactly. That's absolutely all it is. Um, and I recall when it was in Atlanta and you had the tornado hit downtown Atlanta, it wasn't any big deal to throw it together in like Georgia State or somebody's gym and everybody was fine with it. That just tells you that there were a lot of people that didn't really care uh, about the SEC tournament. One team cares. It's the team that wins it, that wins its way into the NCAA tournament. But for the most part, it is a Kentucky fest where Kentucky fans will be everywhere, even for the games that they're not involved in. So, I mean, it's a fun weekend, but Tennessee historically has performed really poorly in the SEC tournament. So if if you're wanting to see Tennessee improve their seed, and by the way, I saw them as low as a four seed um, recently in a projection. If you want them to improve their seed, they need to do so right now, because if you base it on history, they're not going to do a lot at the SEC tournament. Well, and also the NCAA selection committee doesn't place any value on the conference tournaments anymore. I don't know if you saw, but they, if you win it, you get the automatic bid. If you lose it, you might as well have never played in the tournament. That's how they did it last year. Um, Tennessee won. They, they finally broke that SEC tournament drought winning it last year under Rick Barnes. They were a three seed going into the tournament. They win the SEC tournament. They say a three seed in the NCAA tournament. Like the selection committee, the only thing that, that, that the weekend does is determine whether or not you get in. And you don't have time. If you think about just slotting everybody, if, if, if a team reeled three wins off and got to Sunday and they were already in, like let's say Barnes team, and they, you know whether or not they won on Sunday, do you have time to move somebody up a slot and then it shifts your whole bracket on a Sunday when you've got to get the selections out on Sunday evening? You just think about it logistically. I don't think you have the time to take into the conference tournament. Yeah, you're right. I've always thought that because, you know, even after Tennessee, I think the Big Ten tournament ends at like 3.30 or 4 or something like that, and the selection show starts at 5. How in the world are you going to get, like, slot your 68 teams with with what happened in that last Big Ten tournament title? Um, you're right. It's a money grab. It's a gimmick. I'm not a fan of them. Um, so I think Alabama will have a lot to play for on that Wednesday. I think Tennessee knows it's effectively out of the conference tournament, uh, uh, SEC regular season championship now. 
there's no way, even if they win tomorrow night, there's no way Alabama's going to lose three other games and Tennessee's going to win out the rest of the year. Um, that's just not happening. So I think Tennessee, so that that's a little bit demoralizing. There's a confidence issue. There's some injury issues. I still think the fluke part of Saturday, which I said was a silver lining, which is them hanging with the team that can put on an offensive clinic. I still don't believe they can do that consistently. And Alabama plays such up-tempo basketball. They're going to put on an offensive clinic. And I don't know if Tennessee can hang two games in a row with a team that does that. So I just, I, I, I think, I thought there was a silver lining on Saturday, but I, I said it was a silver lining. I didn't say that that's indicative of what's going to come. And it was just something you could take positively from it. But I don't think it's actually indicative of a trend. And I think that what you're seeing is you're seeing a legitimate slide in Tennessee basketball. That's not new for Tennessee. It's not new for a Rick Barnes coach team. And actually, funny enough, they're playing Alabama. It reminds me of an Alabama season. I must have been 2002, 2003 with Ernest Shelton and Mark Godfrey as head coach. Um, uh, They were like number two at one point and then they just stumbled through sec play and ended up like seven and nine and were just awful and bounced out of the ncaa tournament first round tennis this tennessee team is striking me like that you have uh alabama at home you travel to kentucky then to texas a&m host south carolina host arkansas and then to auburn before the sec tournament um so what is best case scenario out of that one, two, three, four, five, six games. What's best case scenario portions of the program brought to you by city heating and air city, heat and city heating and air conditioning integrity matters. Your HVAC unit doesn't necessarily need to be replaced. Maybe just fixed. So out of those six games, best case scenario, Tennessee goes. Um, trying to remember. So you said Kentucky, Alabama. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see him now. I mean, best case scenario, they go four and two, um, but uh, no, I'm sorry. Best, yeah, best case scenario, they go four and two. But, uh, you know, you, you're talking about visiting Kentucky, a team that beat them at Thompson Bowling, hosting Alabama, the number one team in the nation, visiting Texas A&M, who's second in the SEC right now, and hosting Arkansas, who is still really, really dangerous, and also visiting Auburn. So best case scenario, I think four and two. Worst case scenario, you could see this team go one and five down the stretch, looking at the schedule. I mean, outside of South Carolina, is any other team a guaranteed win? No, I'd be surprised to see one in five, but we'll see. Hit that like button. Go ahead, and if you haven't yet, subscribe. Two minutes, we'll get to John Wilkerson, one of the absolute best when it comes to uh, broadcasting, and we're going to visit with him about the Diamond Balls, get some insight on what they might do this year, as last year was certainly a memorable season in more ways than one. For Caleb Calhoun, I'm Dave Hooker, back in two minutes off Thug Sports family has been creating jewelry since 1986 each piece unique with a story all its own i'm rick terry with rick terry jewelry designs i'm a jeweler and i want to be your jeweler we're grateful that you chose us to be knoxville's best jeweler my family and staff look forward to serving you so please come see us kingston pike and campbell station road in the heart of farragut and downtown on gay street right next to the tennessee theater Inflation has risen to the highest level in over 40 years, according to the April 2022 U.S. Inflation Calculator. Will your investments provide you the income you need in retirement? Are you losing purchasing power of your savings due to inflation? Simply stated, if the cost of goods and services are 8% higher, 
and you're only earning 4% in your investments, that money buys you less of what you need. Right now is the time to act. Call Guardian Investment Advisors today. Hey folks, Gary Viles here. I want to personally invite you to North Knoxville's newest sports bar and restaurant. It's Big Orange Phillies, located in Black Oak Center. And yes, folks, it's happening in halls. Big Orange Phillies offers family-friendly environment with homemade meals and the best deli-style subs around. Billiards, darts, jukebox, shuffleboard, and cornhole, and a full bar. We also offer valet parking on weekends and during special events. We even have a covered back patio. It's happening at Big Orange Phillies. We want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Chattanooga, we're at it again. For the fifth year in a row, you voted us best of the best criminal and DUI law firm. And finalist for best law firm and best personal injury firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at CCTIs.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome back. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Go to OffTheHookSports.com. A ton of recruiting news. As I think Tennessee offered 500 players a scholarship in football yesterday. Or maybe 5,000. It was a lot. Caleb Giroux, the other Caleb, was uh, very busy yesterday. Portions of the program brought to you by Zul Beer Company, the official craft beer of Off the Hook Sports, xulbeer.com. Zul Beer, great parking downtown and worldwide award-winning craft beer. Not easy to say, but uh, easy to sip upon. Zul Beer, XUL beer.com and i love this guy one of my all-time faves john wilkerson joins us with the uh, sports animal john how are you sir doing well dave thank you so much well thank you i, I appreciate you coming on and first of all i, I want to go back to last year and it's about the time that we we launched so i didn't have a chance to reach out but i was so happy for you on a personal level given how much you love tennessee baseball for them to have such a special season in a lot of different ways. 
But uh, I just thought it was really cool. And you, you've been there when they weren't so good. So uh, I, I thought that was really cool. The last two years have been incredible. Uh, you think about a team that after getting back to the NCAA tournament in 2019 for the first time since 05, then you have everything shut down in 20. And then the year after that, you win the East for the first time since 97, host a Super Regional for the first time ever. And then you go to the College World Series for the first time since 05 and the fifth time in program history. And then how can you follow that up? Well, you, uh, you win the East by the largest margin ever. You win the regular season SEC championship by the largest margin ever. And oh, by the way, after making the finals in the SEC tournament for the first time ever in Hoover, you go back and you win the thing without trailing for a moment. So um, there were so many, there have been so many special moments these last couple of years. And the truth be told, you look at the guys that have made this happen, the players that have worked so hard, and there wasn't a more deserving group of the incredible fortunes uh, on the rise for Tennessee baseball. You have a staff that uh, doesn't quit working and you have a group of players that are just, they're all on the same page working in the same direction. It's been a blast for sure. And and the cool part is Tony Vitello looks, and we all say this, I thought Lane Kiffin was in it for the long haul, but <laughs> you know, he looks like he's in it for the long haul, doesn't he? He sure does. Uh, he's an incredibly loyal individual. And so for Tennessee to be the university that gave him his first shot as a head coach, I think that is just, it, it continues to resonate with him. I think he also loves being a part of the University of Tennessee when you just look at how much support he's offered, not only to the events on campus at home when he can, but also on the road. I mean, you go back to Gainesville last year, and because he had bumped an umpire, he suspended for the first two games against the Gators. So what does he do? He goes over and he supports the tennis team that's competing down there in the SEC tournament. Uh, so it, it's just he he simply gets it, and not everybody does. No, that's a good way of putting it. I I get it. I don't want to stand next to him because he's so good looking. He would just make me look like a cretin. I don't want to. I mean, I, um, yeah, I know that the the ladies certainly like him as well. So he's he's got a lot of fan base uh, from from the female uh, department demographic as well. As far as this team upcoming, um, I really like their their pitching. Are they going to have the same hitting? And just kind of give me an overall breakdown of. What do you what do you think you'll see this weekend and the rest of the season? Well, pitching certainly appears to be the strength because you return your starting rotation from last year's regular season. And you're talking about a sophomore who was the second Tennessee pitcher ever to be SEC pitcher of the year. And then you have two freshmen that were certainly outstanding. Uh, so you have Chase Dolander leading the way. He's the most veteran of the three. And then you have Chase Burns and Drew Beam that uh, we don't know what the roles are going to be just yet. Um, coach Vitello and Frank Anderson, who was this year's national pitching coach of the year, um, they haven't determined exactly who's going to go Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, or who might move to the bullpen, because we saw them move some pieces around uh, towards the tail end of the season and into the SEC tournament and NCAA tournament. So I do think that uh, the big question is the fair question. You replace everybody defensively and in your lineup. So you're new on behind the plate. You're new around the infield. You're new in the outfield. You've got guys that have played, and you have guys that got a lot of experience last year, but it's now a full-time role for Christian Moore, uh, who was remarkable as a freshman. And then you also have Blake Burns, who has is, uh, is also looked remarkable as a freshman. These are guys that are now likely going to be everyday players, and then you add all those other pieces. So 
last year I thought there was no way the offense could match what they did the year before or in, in 19, and yet lo and behold, they, they start, in 21, I mean, and they certainly did. They exceeded it. So I do think that the, they certainly have a plan, and they did bring in some of the most sought-after transfer portal targets. Mali Ahuna is short. He's a, just a phenomenal player. Uh, you have Griffin Merritt, who was the conference player of the year in his final year at Cincinnati, and so he comes down to join the outfield. And you have uh, another guy in in, uh, in Zane Denton who uh, is joining the program from Alabama. So I just think that it's uh, it really is going to be. I think the pieces are in place. Question is whether or not the uh, the the lineup one to nine will come together, or how long it'll take to come together. Uh, John, uh, speaking of sticking with pitching a little bit, um, how much of a benefit is it though that the pitching's more of a sure thing and not the hitting, particularly in a Look, the NCAA baseball tournament, I told Dave last uh, segment that it's the worst way to crown a champion in any sport. <laughs> it's so random. But how much does pitching, I guess, offset that randomness? Isn't that, isn't that more reliable in the tournament than anything else? More often than not, yes. And, and Tennessee last year led the nation in so many incredible categories and, and also set school records in those, in those same categories. So you, you love to have that be your strength because it's thought that the one thing that will shut down a great offense is a fantastic staff. And I think they're going to have that. But again, very anxious to see exactly who defines what role. You do say goodbye to Redmond Walsh. He was the closer. And, and so I, it's not that you can't replace him. It's just that who, who gets that, that nod. And uh, you also have guys that are, are wild cards like Camden Sewell. He had his job lined up after school, has his degree, and just decided that it felt right to come back for one more year. So he hit the pause button on what's next for him. And now he's somebody who can close games. He can be outstanding out of the bullpen and middle relief and as the University of Florida has found out time and time again, he's awesome when he gets the ball to start, at least against the Gators. So I, I do think that when you look at Tennessee's strengths, obviously pitching would be first and foremost simply for the uh, the arms they bring back from last year and the talent that they've shown on the mound. I ask you about this team's flair last year, John, which I thought was fantastic. A lot of confidence, maybe cross the line a, a couple of times. How does Tony Vitello manage that? going forward is it at all a concern when it crosses the line or how does how does he handle that exuberance well i think that he he says that he would uh give them nudges so to speak and and you had guys that had been there and had showcased very strong personalities and drew gilbert uh jordan beck and you can go on down the line so i i think they really made the most of the home run celebrations but what you've also seen is the uh, ncaa has kind of mandated that that's going to be uh, quieted down, not completely shut down, but you're not going to be able to celebrate on the field. If there's a celebration, it happens in the dugout. I will be interested to see. Um, but this is a team that I think it came from taking some receipts because you take a look at the three guys that moved on from last year, Redmond Walsh, I mentioned, and then you had two guys in the lineup, Luke Lipsius and Evan Russell. I mean, when they spent their first year in the orange and white, actually it's uh, it's Walsh, and, uh, and Luke uh, that I'm talking about, when they spent their first year in a Tennessee uniform, Tennessee won seven SEC games. That's it. Um, and that has climbed to, uh, to what they did last year, which was winning 25 games total in SEC play. Just remarkable. And, or 26, I think, when all was said and done. But anyhow, they, uh, 
I just think they embraced the role of being villains. And when they found out that perhaps uh, there were feathers that were being ruffled by their celebrations, then there was no way they were going to pass on that opportunity. I will say this. Uh, the one thing that I think more often than not, there were a couple of instances, as you mentioned, Dave, where at times it, it was a point to the other dugout in one way, shape or form. For the most part, they celebrated amongst themselves. But uh, I'll be surprised if the bat flips are as gigantic uh, as well as the exuberance, because I just think that it's kind of toned down this year as has been legislated by the NCAA as they're uh, showering a little bit. They're raining on Tennessee's parade and, and other teams just a little bit. But uh, my guess is it might be just a little more reserved this year. But I still think they will celebrate when something big happens, because to me, and this is what Coach Vitello said, that was more a reflection of the hard work they put into getting ready, as well as uh, just making sure that you took every opponent as if it was the biggest thing you could possibly do. That was how they had such a great record midweek, and that's how they wound up with a season where they only lost a total of nine games. John, you're as much of a baseball purist as anyone I know, and I still remember, John, when we worked together in the early 2000s, listening, I guess it was a teleconference, you were listening to like the Major League Baseball draft in like the 80th round, and John was just so dedicated. I like the bat flipping and that sort of stuff, even potentially at the Major League level. I'm curious your thoughts on that. It's something I've gotten used to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll say this again, with the thought it, with the thought being that this is a, a, a reflection of har how much hard work they put into it, then then you can kind of get it. Now, uh, the fact that it, it could go, you know, several feet in the air. I mean, that's where it becomes maybe a little bit of a safety issue. Make sure that you have the helmet on in the dugout. Uh, you don't want to spill out too much into it. Um, but I just think that, again, watching that most of the celebrations, I mean, more than 90% were about celebrating with the guys in the orange and white. I've, I've grown to appreciate a little bit more than I might have. <laughs> I like it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, John, you know, it's funny because we're talking about the little bit of, I guess, what, what old school baseball fans would have said, hot dogging um, about uh, what Tennessee does. Um, I, looking at the overall state of the athletic department, funny enough, Dave and I had a conversation last segment on how, you know, which tra traditions are cool. Cause I think the checkerboard traditions outside of the end zones just makes Tennessee look a little old and square, but I think the baseball team celebrations make them look young and hip and cool. Um, does it seem like Danny white has a pretty good pulse just on how to balance those things out? You know, things that older fans really cherish and adore the most, but things that will actually make Tennessee at least marketable to a younger crowd? I think so. Um, I, I, and I'll say this. I do think that, that I mean, from the moment that he arrived on campus as the head coach of the volunteers, the Diamond Balls, Tony Vitello has showcased that he had an image for exactly what he wanted his team to be, the players that he wanted to, to bring to Knoxville, to wear the orange and white, how hard he wanted them to play, and what they were expected to do uh, as they got ready to play, while they were playing, and as well as uh, all the challenges that they meet off the field. And I think Danny White's been exactly the same. Uh, from the moment he arrived on campus as Tennessee's director of athletics, uh, I think he's had a very clear directive, and that was to uh, to, to to as he said, a rising tide lifts all boats. Um, and we've seen that. And so I do think that uh, there might be, again, just a, a comment here or there. I, I, I don't think there's any question that when Tony Vitello bumped the umpire last year, uh, there was a, you've got to step back. I mean, you, you, you go into a three game suspension there and uh, you, you were able to 
thankfully weather that storm. You didn't lose any of those games. Uh, and then you have Drew Gilbert, who uh, who got tossed during the, the NCAA tournament. And and so I, I just think that every now and then you, you've got to just have a tap on the shoulder and just a brief conversation. But I do think that uh, that Danny White is involved in that regard. And, and I do think that there probably are um, suggestions and or advice that might be passed along. Uh, but I do think that, yes, there uh, there is a very youthful exuberance, not just for Tennessee baseball, but you also take a look at, at how the uh, the fur coat made its way over to uh, Lee Stadium and the softball team, courtesy of Urosh Plavsic. Uh, so, it's, but I, I do think that, yeah, there uh, there is a lot. Uh, I, I think the the message is consistent, and and I and I also think that it it's clearly delivered in terms of the enjoyment, the involvement, and everything. I, I think that so many people. I think everybody on campus is plugged in and rowing in the right direction. And I think the, the fan base is also a part of that because the feedback that is consistently asked for and requested is given. And, and it's, it's pretty obvious they're they're listening in terms of what they, what people want the fan experience to be and, and how things might be improved along the way. I was an umpire for five years. I never got bumped, but I had death wished upon me several times. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, I've been, I've been in that position. Last thing, um, Todd Helton, Hall of Famer or not? Yes, and I and I and I think it's a it's a matter of when, not if. He came so close this year, um, and I think it'll happen next year. I I think that even though uh, so many will want to point to that Coors Field was his home, and it's like okay, you got to kind of look at his offensive numbers there with a grain of salt. I mean, Larry. Uh, you look at Larry Walker getting in, and, and I just think that benefits him greatly. I mean, here's somebody who his splits on the road were certainly outstanding. Um, a gold glover in terms of his ability at first, an all-star. Uh, I, I just think that it's when you take a look at some of the collections as uh, of the stats that he had, whether it be doubles, runs scored, uh, home runs, runs batted in. I mean, he's keeping company with guys with the last name Amusual and Gehrig uh, that – it's just a short handful. So I think Todd Helton is most definitely a Hall of Famer, and I'm pretty sure that 2024, excuse me, the, the vote this next, yeah, in 2024 will be his year. John Wilkerson, the sports animal, listen to him with uh, Jimmy Himes, uh, three to seven. Uh, if you're in Knoxville, uh, he's, he's great and uh, as good of a play-by-play guy as you will find absolutely anywhere. And I mean that, John. Dave, I sure do appreciate the invitation. Caleb, enjoyed joining you, getting ready to uh, tomorrow head out west with the team. So we will have the game streamed 8 o'clock on Friday Eastern time, 8 o'clock on Saturday Eastern time, and 2 o'clock on Sunday on utsports.com or the UT Game Day app. And uh, it's it's go time. It's a, it's a lot of fun. This team is a consensus number two in the country. Can't wait to see what the new lineup looks like, how they gel and come together. It's just, it's a great staff, great roster, and it's going to be another incredibly fun season. Yeah. Have, have a fantastic time and safe travels, buddy. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. Anytime, Dave. Thank you. Thank have a good you. one, John. And, and I, I mean that. I'm not just saying that in front of John. I, I used to drive home from games in the middle of the night around SEC territory and listen to all of the guys. And when it comes to play-by-play, and I'm talking about football in that case, when it comes to play-by-play, there's absolutely nobody better, and the delivery is just—he's just 
really, really talented and really great. So that was awesome. So uh, we'll see what Tennessee baseball is able to do this year. I think they're at the point they're on such solid footing that, you know, going to the College World Series just almost seems like a given every year. I don't want to put too much pressure on them, but doesn't it? No, I don't think. I mean, they didn't go last year. They had had a better team. Look, I told you, the NCAA baseball tournament is the – we're a month away from me because uh, it'll be the first time we're doing this show with March Madness. We're a month away from me going into my soliloquy on why March Madness is a terrible tournament and why I hate it so much. I'm, I'm not, I love it. I'm not going to go there now. I'll wait a month and now, but I will break down for you guys why it's a terrible – it's the ultimate participation trophy tournament. But I will say the NCAA baseball tournament may be worse. It is a terrible way of crowning a champion. It's yeah. a – I'm I'm not crazy about the way it's it's staggered, and I'll, I'll go back on something I said in the running for the College World Series each and every year is what I'm yeah. saying. I, I I I don't like the way it's staggered, but I don't know how else you can really really do it. I guess there's I, I took part. It's not as foreign to me because I umpired during um, situations that had double elimination tournaments, so it, it's not as foreign to me as it is some people. It's not the double. It's the the best of three series it's look i i there are books about this tracking which sports have the highest element of randomness and baseball is probably right up there with hockey and that's why you have to have 162 baseball games you have that that you you need that many games to separate out the better teams because baseball one get one baseball game is more random than a game in any other sport and this is why i hated expanding the this is why baseball is the one sport where you shouldn't be expanding the playoffs because it teams can just get red hot. I like the old system of MLB. I'm sorry. I think the MLB should just go back to whoever wins the NL, whoever wins the AL plays for the World Series. No playoff. I've always I, – I'm like – I just think you are opening the door. There's, there's too much randomness in this sport. So that's my problem with it. You, the more you open the door, the less likely it is that one of – not just the best team, one of even any of the elite teams win it. it this is not – it, it's the opposite of that. It's the opposite problem basketball has, quite honestly, in the NBA. Well, with basketball, I'm surprised you don't like the NCAA tournament. I can guess where you stand on Danny White suggesting that they expand it to 90 teams. Did you see that? <laughs> I did see that. I That's did see that. And he's like, yeah. So it's not – I'll get to this in March Madness. Basketball – the NCAA tournament is actually a pretty effective way at crowning a champion. I will say that because it's – it's one of the best six or seven teams that wins it every Wait, year. I need some clarity here. I thought you said you didn't like the NCAA basketball tournament. Let me let me get to my point. Okay. Yes. The NCAA tournament, I know, I'm not being consistent, and I'll tell you, I'll explain. The NCAA tournament is actually one of the more effective ways of crowning a national champion because, yes, a, the best team might lose in the first or second round or a really bad team might win. Only one of the elite teams is good enough to win six games in a row. You know what I mean? Only one of the five or six best teams is good enough to win six games in a row. My problem with the NCAA tournament is the glorification of upsets in a sport designed to let the mediocre teams and lesser teams win. It's about the rules in college basketball. It's about the way they do the seeding in the, in, in the tournament. It's about how they put teams in the tournament with so much emphasis on this random conference tournament that I don't think should determine who gets in. There is a lot of things that go into it. Why I hate the NCAA tournament even though it's an effective way at crowning a champion, more effective way than the NCAA baseball tournament. And so, look, th- it's hard to find the right balance here, guys. Look, because the NBA has the opposite. 
The NBA I, has the option. The, I'm supposed to be the old guy here, and you're the old guy. Get off my lawn all of a sudden. You're Clint Eastwood. I don't like rewarding mediocrity. But saying you don't like the NCAA tournament's like saying you don't like Cindy Crawford in her prime. I'm saying it's – I don't think the upsets are really that exciting because to me – all right, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm starting it now. I'm gonna do this in a month, but I'm starting it now because you got well, me. No, really, but what? I mean, what do you define as an upset? Because a seven versus eight, there are a lot of times in which the eight is actually by Vegas favored, but we consider an upset seven versus eight. A one versus sixteen or a two versus fifteen is pretty special. Yes, but okay, it's the it's it's the rules of the sport that bother me, and that's where I'm getting at. The rules of the sport. Um, allow for lesser teams to win. There's no defensive three seconds, so players can just camp out in the paint. Um, until about five, six years ago, there was a 35-second shot clock, so you could play keep away, which just made the sport horrible. Technical fouls are two shots and the ball, which is just ridiculous. I'm sorry. like A, a penalty in football is a 15-yard penalty if it's a personal foul, uh, which is like the technical foul of football. A technical foul in basketball should be one shot, one free throw. That's it. Okay, it shouldn't change the game so much where you get two shots and the ball. That's insane. The one-and-one, I can't stand the one-and-one in basketball. I think that if you foul, if you're in a situation where you have to foul, you shouldn't get the benefit of somebody missing the front end of a one-and-one. You you should have to sit there and wait for them to shoot two free throws. And these are things that are – Wait, you couldn't do that throughout the whole game. No, 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 once you're in the bonus. Okay. There shouldn't be a – yeah, once you're in the bonus – there should never be a one. One and one is the stupidest thing in basketball, and it is designed to let teams come back. It's 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 set up so you can come back. But um, every every sport now is, I mean, designed to have everybody be competitive. Sports is socialism to a large regard. I mean, the NFL would love it if every team was either. Well, now they play seventeen games, but if if every team if every team was nine and eight, they would absolutely love that. Well, the NFL's communism, actually, not even socialism. Well, I, <laughs> but exactly, but that's, but that's what every sport is trying to do. Well, the NFL has gotten parity to the team. All the teams are pretty much evenly matched because of how they do the draft and the salary cap and everything like that. So the NFL, the teams are so evenly matched already. I don't mind that. What I mind are rules in the sport that allow for the team that didn't deserve to win to win and that are more skewed towards that. Imagine if in the NFL, imagine if in the NFL, Dave, a roughing the passer penalty wasn't just a 15-yard penalty, but instead it was the team scored a touchdown and then got to get the ball back. That's what they do with the technical foul in the NBA. <laughs> okay, so that's why I can't stand the, the rules. Are, they, they change the, the, the outcome of the game so much in college basketball. Uh, it wasn't, you know, a few years ago, they didn't even have the circle under the basket. So you could just camp out under the basket, put your hands up and take a charge without actually having to play defense at all. You know, I bet you don't like Valentine's Day. <laughs> I, I like- bet you're, you're the guy who doesn't like puppies and doesn't believe in Valentine's Day. Oh, come on. You have a dog. They're so much easier once they're not puppies. So you don't like cute puppies. You don't like Valentine's Day, and you don't like the NCAA tournament. I think it is. Are you getting your lovely wife, who I actually haven't met, but are you getting your lovely wife anything for Valentine's? We celebrated Valentine's on Saturday, and I grilled, I it, 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 in the most selfish way possible, grilled a steak for her. 
on Valentine's Day because I knew I could enjoy the steak. So <laughs> I'll tell you what's emasculating is do you guys have an air fryer? No, we do not. Oh, we do not. And she'll be able to make steaks better than you. And that's very emasculating. My wife can make steaks better than me with an air fryer on a grill. You oh, my wife makes you lose your man card really quick. My wife already makes steaks better than me. I just, she actually grills better than me. I just enjoy grilling. I do a charcoal grill. It's relaxing. Throw the steak on. I can just like, you know, have a beer, sit outside, listen to music while it's grilling. It's uh, so I, my wife actually is a better griller and cook than me all the way, all the way around. I just like, I, I personally enjoy grilling. So Arthur says he agrees with Caleb on your points about the NCAA tournament for basketball. I'm, uh, yeah, and also here, here's the other part: who gets in? Thirty-one wild card teams get in, or at-large teams. Thirty-one at-large bids, thirty-four automatic bids. Half those automatic bids are teams that got red hot and won their conference title. And you just not didn't... half, maybe four. At no, most. look at those smaller conferences. No, they look won those... their. No, they won. Mostly, the better team wins those small conference tournaments. There's about four or five teams each and every year that actually get in that weren't going to get it in. renders here's what Mar, here's the big part of March madness. I'm going to say this more than anything. The thing that bothers me the most, no sport renders the regular season. So meaningless like March madness. Oh, no. I agree with that. No, I, I think they've got to do something to fix the, and here's how I can hear season. but how do, I mean, I, I'll tell you how you can fix it. To pay Paul. I'll tell you how you can fix it. And I'm okay if you expand it to 80 teams in the tournament if you do this. You ready to, You ready for my solution, Dave? Yeah, I guess. All right. The, <laughs> the conference regular season champion and the conference tournament champion both get automatic bids to the tournament. Both of them. Well, then, okay, I'm fine with that. I actually am. But the conference champion... Well, a lot of I don't think a lot of teams give it their all in the conference tournaments anyway. So, I mean, I I can roll with that one. I don't see how you completely fix every everything. every team because if you if you're at to like sixty seven or sixty eight teams, you're playing your guts off to win the conference regular season championship. Because if it comes, if you don't win it, you either have to win the conference tournament or you are really sweating that conference tournament for other teams, and you're hoping this a second team doesn't win the conference tournament that didn't win the regular season title. You're you're really sweating at that point. Sorry to step on you. I I don't think that being a conference champion is going to change the actual motivation of a player or the outcome because you're either that good and motivated to play three months in the conference tournament or what? Yeah, right at three months. Or you're not. I don't think a team of a bunch of Hoosiers guys, which you and I agree is the most overrated sports movie of all time, but I don't think a bunch of dudes that are Hoosiers guys that are in the SEC are going to say, let's put together a three-month run so we can make the tournament. I don't see that changing much. I think that these ga- these regular season games are going to matter a lot more if you put more emphasis on regular season champions getting in and, regular- and, and then lessen the number of at-large bids. And I don't know the best mathematical way to do that. But well, see, I- I, like going down your path for a second, okay? Like – I would say the top four teams automatically make the tournament instead of just the conference champion at the standings at the end of the season, maybe two from the East, two from the West. I'm just spitballing here. I'm not saying this is a great idea off the shoot, but then you have somebody 120 team tournament. (laughs) Well, no, just, I'm just talking about the, 
no, you're right. I mean, that, but okay, what about this? Actually, guarantee to the Big Ten, the Pac 12, the SEC that they get four in, then I could see somebody battling to get from five to four. I don't think anybody's going to be able to battle for three months to get from five to one. Does that make sense? Right. I see what you're saying. Okay, here we go. How about this? The top two teams from every con- there's 32 top conferences. So the top two regular season teams from every single conference that gets you to 64, right? Um, a conference tournament champion will bump the second team. If that makes sense. If, if a third, if like the, if a team below the top two wins a conference tournament, that bumps the second team off the automatic bid list. Does that make sense? Okay. I don't hate that. I didn't okay. Hate so that. you're at 64. Yeah. And then you only got four other at large bids. That would make it so much fun. Every regular season game would matter at that point. Okay, I can roll with that. But I like it the way it is, too. It's like the Mona Lisa asking her to smile. AndyMasonRealEstate.com. You'll smile when you don't waste thousands or tens of thousands of dollars on your next real estate purchase because Andy Mason, AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Andy Mason and his crew have over 40 years of experience. And Andy Mason will provide you with the best customer service and also how about the absolute best prices it's that simple don't waste thousands or tens of thousands of dollars it's andy mason real estate.com he's my realtor he should be yours too coming up in two minutes tennessee has been number 10 before in recruiting it's happened about a half dozen times since 2009 how did those classes turn out maybe not as great as you would think. Stay tuned. Two minutes off the host sports. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave. Sun, sand, and salt water. The beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK vision correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasty Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasty, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Hey folks, Gary Viles here, Viles Automotive on Callahan Drive. I've been selling cars here in East Tennessee for 27 years. In that time, I've come to realize it's not about the car. It's about you, the customer. So I'm here to take care of you just like family. Good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, we can find it for you. We go across the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Viles Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers. We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Chattanooga, we're at it again. For the fifth year in a row, you voted us best of the best criminal and DUI law firm. And finalists for best law firm and best personal injury firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down. Our family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique, 
with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler, and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Please allow me to introduce myself. Welcome back. He is Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker, the one, the only Caleb Calhoun, as uh, you've got to check out. His story on Trey Smith, it is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, just uh, fantastic, Trey Smith. Why is he the best story to come out of the Super Bowl, Caleb? Well, Trey Smith, um, as we know, less than four years ago, we didn't know if he was going to be able to play football again. Trey Smith was the one bright spot. I mean, we talk about Tennessee football legends who labored through really, really, really bad years of just the program being in shambles. And Trey Smith is right up there with, um, uh, I would say, Steve DeLong. That's a throwback name, right? Um, uh, Outland Trophy winner sticking through the Jim McDonald end of Bowden Wyatt years. Trey Smith is the Steve DeLong of this generation. And Freshman All-American in 2017, having to labor through the worst season in Tennessee football history with one of the worst coaches in Tennessee football history and the most incompetent staff in Tennessee football history. Um, Doesn't know if he's going to be able to play football again in 2019. Comes back, plays in 2019, and then in 2020 has to labor through a 3-7 and year. Jeremy Pruitt getting fired. None of this Trey Smith's fault. Then he falls to the sixth round of the NFL draft because of the blood clots in his lungs and because of the – um, issues that face Tennessee football. And within a year, he's starting right guard for the Kansas City Chiefs. And make no mistake about it, Trey Smith is a huge reason they won that Super Bowl. Remember, Kansas City lost to Tampa Bay two years ago in the Super Bowl. Yeah, two years ago, because Patrick Mahomes got no protection. Well, the other night, he wasn't sacked one time, and Kansas City averaged over six yards a carry. Trey well, Smith had – I'm sorry? I was just going to say I thought that was the story of the game, the fact that – Mahomes wasn't sacked even more than the hold call at the end. I thought the Eagles would be able to get pressure on Mahomes. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. And I'm willing to say Trey Smith had the greatest performance for a Tennessee football offensive lineman in the Super Bowl since Raleigh McKenzie with Washington did. And I think it was 1986 when Washington had over 200 yards rushing. Um, and so I that's, that, was a, that was the Timmy Smith team, right? Was it? I the think little so. running back. Uh, that nobody knew he had like 200 yards. And then yes, yes, he had 200 yards. Trevor, and that was the Doug Williams team, right? I think it was the Doug Williams team. I think Doug Williams won Super Bowl MVP, but it probably should have gone to Timmy Smith. 200 yards rushing is 200 yards rushing. Yeah, I remember um, it was a lot like – I don't know why these two just came together at this very moment, but it was a lot like Travis Stevens in that 2001 season 
you know, a darty guy who yeah. wasn't going to get you power yards, but could find holes. So. You put Stevens behind that massive offensive line, you know that he would find the hole. Because that offensive line in 2001 was just gigantic. <laughs> that was um, – so, yeah, great story, Trey Smith. I agree, and it's on offthehooksports.com, so check it out. And portions of the program brought to you by Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. A vision correction that's local to Knoxville, and they take care of you. My vision is absolutely incredible. I was farsighted. Now I can uh, see everything without having to wear contacts anymore. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, Hahn, and know that they're local, and know that they also will provide you with uh, cataract surgery and just great vision care local again They're, nowadays are flying in uh, eye doctors other companies from florida to do surgery on your eyes so you want people that care and i uh, want to be a part of your world so that's Cam- campbell cunningham taylor and Han. all right so the tennessee signed a top 10 class and i've long made the argument that every recruiting class is somewhat the same in that half of the guys are going to be contributors. Half of the guys are not. And then if you're lucky, you have a couple of stars out of there. I don't want to say lucky talent evaluation, beating other teams. That is always a factor. But what's funny is when you go back and look at the top 10 classes that Tennessee has signed historically, Caleb, they have not been uh, fantastic. And, I, I don't. I think there's a reason for that in one case. So let's look back at those classes because the ones I have, and there was a little bit of a discrepancy in one year, but we're going to go by the 247 composite ranking because that uh, takes them all into account. So we're going to basically 2009, 2010, 2014, 2015. So let's take a look at that 2009 class first. That was a top 10 class, number eight in the nation, Clearly, Lane Kiffin was uh, taking dudes with some very questionable backgrounds, uh, and it was all about assembling a class as fast as possible. That class absolutely was a disaster, more felons than all, all SEC players. Perhaps it would have been better had Lane Kiffin stayed as that guiding force. I don't know. I mean, you've got Jansen Jackson, who is uh, serving prison time for murdering his mom's boyfriend and killed his cellmate as well and was known for threatening media members while he was at Tennessee with physical harm and violence and death. I don't know that they would have saved him. I don't know that, uh, on the other hand, Bryce Brown wouldn't have been a good back at, at Tennessee. He played well in the NFL for a bit for the Eagles. So that class is, is hard to really get a gauge on what they would have done if Lane Kiffin stayed. Surely it would have been better. I'm not sure it would have been exemplary, though, Caleb. Yeah, I agree. I think Lane Kiffin, I think Lane Kiffin did a lot of things his first year at Tennessee to be able to sell what he was doing for the future. And I think selling a top 10 class, it was more important to sell a top 10 class than it was to actually have an effective top 10 class because you're right. He just threw together a hodgepodge of elite players, signed them, touted the top. I remember him touting the top 10 class. And I also remember him talking trash about Florida talking trash about Florida over Nukies Richardson, who he had to dismiss from the team halfway through the year. <laughs> who is the only player I have seen straddle a punt twice, which is a very unique way of trying to return a punt to somehow straddle it and let the ball go through your legs twice. He did it twice, Caleb, during that season. 
Not once I said I've never seen anybody straddle it. Like three games later, he did it again. So, well, yeah, and so you know, the, let's not forget this was part of a lot of things Lane Kevin did. Another thing he did, Dave, you covered that team. I'm gonna take a, give a hot take. I remember two games, the Florida and Alabama games of that year. He coached that Florida game to keep it close, not even to try to win. He wanted to sell to recruits that he kept that game close because the game plan in the fourth quarter was so – I mean, Tennessee was down 23-6 to and was still huddling. They were still trying to get the right play in. And then in the Alabama game, we all talk about the field goal block. That was a long field goal that Lane Kiffin settled for with 30 seconds left. You don't do that. That was, that was a huge mistake. And I, I was on the sideline at the time. He <clears throat> should have tried to get – you know, you, you said 30 seconds. He milked it, milked it down to, I believe, four or two. And he should have tried to pick up about 15, 20 more yards. He, I agree. He did that to escape blame. Because if if he calls the wrong play and there's a turnover, turnover there or something, he gets blamed. But if he sits right there and puts it all on Daniel Lincoln for not making the field goal, he escapes blame and everybody puts it on Daniel Lincoln. That well, was, I, don't, I don't think that was going through his head on the side. I, I do. I think that's how Lincoln coached the whole year. Because we also saw how many times he dismissed recruits to make room for his players and his new freshmen, many of whom didn't really work out that well. So I just thought there was there were so many things he did that maybe would have worked out had he stayed. But because he didn't stay and bolted, it left Tennessee in a disastrous situation. Going okay, I'll wonder down the thought-provoking lane of the Florida game, no pun intended, but I, I think he was all in it to win, win that Alabama game. I thought he made up a serious mistake and that's indicative of a guy who hasn't been a head coach for very long with clock management, but, but uh, nevertheless, so we, we move on and uh, another class that rated in the top 10 was the 2010 class that resulted in uh, quarterback uh, Tyler Bray, Jawan James receiver, Justin Hunter, defensive lineman, Jacques Smith, and a bunch of guys that didn't come to Tennessee that were midterm enrollees because Ed Orgeron was calling them and telling them that they had left and that they should go to Southern California, which most didn't. I think only one did. But ultimately, that class actually could have been even higher. They ended up at seven. They could have been maybe higher if some of those guys would have stuck. But again, a class that we have no idea what would have happened if there's any stability at the head coaching position. And uh, somebody brought up a great point um, on our message board. These guys didn't have Josh Heupel. That's from Ball's time. And you're absolutely right. And there seems to be some steadiness to Tennessee's program they haven't had in a long time. Would this class have been better? Yeah, probably. But it wasn't, at the end, that bad at all, Caleb. It proved to be pretty strong. No, it wasn't that bad of a class. Um uh, just to look at this, specifically the guys Derek Dooley signed, James Stone was a good signing. That was him. Derek Rogers was a good signing until he got dismissed from the team. But for two years, Derek Rogers was a reliable receiver. Um, you have, uh, let's see, Dontavis Sapp. He had a bit of an impact. Um, Rajon Neal, starting running back for a pretty uh, long while. Michael Rivera was a heck of a receiving tight end for Tennessee. Um, and from Lane Kiven's side, people Lane Kiven brought in, Justin Hunter, um, Matt Sims, these are players who all had an impact. Tyler Bray, the biggest but uh, Corey Miller, Michael Plarty, the biggest bust of this class, Zach Fulton, who started in the NFL for years, Jock Smith. I would say Matt Milton was the biggest bust of this class. Four star wide receiver. There was a lot of, I remember the hype behind Matt Milton and just never amounted to anything. Um, but yeah, wasn't a bad class. 
Now, here's where the classes, I think, get a little inflated. So the two classes we talked about were classes that didn't reach their potential because of a coaching change, which that's they're not going to reach their potential if there's a coaching change unless there's some really strange circumstance in which a beloved coach comes in. So be sure and hit that like button. If you haven't subscribed yet, do that like button helps bring more people into the channel. Now, the two classes I want to talk about now are, are not under that same scenario. They are under the head coach got them inflated scenario through manipulating recruiting rankings. So number seven in 2014, you had Butch Jones making sure that Tennessee had a top 10 class by uh, visiting with recruiting analysts and getting their rankings up. Uh, your thoughts on the class headline, of course, by Derek Barnett, the receiver Josh Malone. You also had uh, Jalen Hurd, Todd Kelly, the Barry brothers. That class ended up being uh, pretty darn good. Um, and, yeah, is it the number seven in the class? In retrospect, that's probably a little bit high, but they definitely got a lot out of that class. They got a lot out of some people in that class. Wasn't even close to the ranking it got. Um, Jalen Hurd was not a five-star. Anybody who saw Jalen Hurd play knows he was not a five-star at all. Well, that's one of the exa- it's definitely one of the examples I would use to say that Butch Jones got his ranking pushed up. I believe that. Jalen Hurd was told by Alabama that he needed to uh, play defensive end, and so he didn't consider Alabama any longer. Tennessee gave Jalen Hurd the, the, the opportunity to play running back, and they boosted his rating after he committed. Yeah, and let's even if he was to play running back, he's a power back. There was no – he didn't fit what Butch Jones was trying to do with those – what is it, those zone reads, the smash – I call I call Butch Jones' offense the smash mouth spread, where offensive linemen still block like they're in a pro style. But, um, yeah, I, Jalen Hurd wasn't a fit for that. Josh Malone worked out. <clears throat> Vic Wharton didn't work out. Todd Kelly did, had some injury issues. But, I mean, like, look at these busts. These were all, like, four stars. D'Andre Payne, Daniel Held, Joe Henderson. Dylan Bates. Dylan Bates never saw the field. I mean, he, he had to, that had to be a legacy four star rating, right? <laughs> well, yeah. See, I think there are, there's a common theme among Jalen Hurd and Dylan Bates. I, I feel like that there were guys that Butch Jones felt like he had to get to say, hey, I got the number one player in the state, Jalen Hurd. Look at that. And Dylan Bates, I think, and the Barry brothers, I felt like he, he thought all along that he would get them. So there's a common theme among these guys, and that is either he lucked into them because of legacy or he picked guys because of their rating and ranking that weren't great fits to the system across the board. Yep, that's that's how I felt too. And he was trying – again, he was trying to sell early on that he was getting these top five recruiting classes. And he won – don't forget this. Butch Jones won over the fan base with this class for a while. People were bought in. Yeah, he, who is the butcher kid? Smoky Mountain Red brought up the butcher kid. I don't know the butcher kid. Yeah. Um, oh, but but the, some of the best players from that class are actually three stars because you had Ethan Wolf, um, Jakob Johnson, who's still in the NFL, and um, Emmanuel Mosley, who when he gets healthy next year will still be the starting cornerback in the um, in, the, in for the San Francisco 49ers. So, right. so yeah. let's go the, let's go the next season, 2015. Number four, Tennessee's 2015 class um, at the top. It was Khalil McKenzie. Everybody was just nuts about him, kind of like the Nico Phil, except he was a defensive tackle. So amplify that times 10 when you're talking about a quarterback. But Khalil McKenzie was supposed to be the guy 
He wasn't. Uh, Kyle Phillips, Shaw Tuttle uh, were good on the defensive line. Uh, you had Alvin Kamara, who was a great pickup. Uh, Jawan Jennings in that class had off-field issues, but I don't think anybody would question his talent. But number four in the nation, a little high in retrospect. Very high, yes. <laughs> Butch, Butch did get more out of this class from the 2014 class. I'll give him that. Because um, we know Kamara. Kalu McKenzie was not a five-star, but he was a starter for Tennessee consistently. So was Kyle Phillips. So was Drew Richmond. Um, most of the four and five stars ended up uh, starting. The question about the Butcher kid, this was this class, Andrew Butcher from Alpharetta. I, I forgot about Andrew Butcher. Um uh, Preston Williams, I think, only left because Tennessee was deep enough at wide receiver. He wanted to go yeah, elsewhere. Like three-star kid, right? Uh, he was a four-star on rivals, um, but I think he was a three-star overall. You're right. Um, Darrell Taylor, a bit, a good pickup from this class. Um, Is anybody old enough to remember the butcher, uh, the butchers that owned the huge bank in Knoxville that basically upended themselves to get the World's Fair to mm-hmm. Knoxville? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was related to them. I think that helped grease the wheels for him to to be. Uh, makes sense. I thought he was a three star, and but um, you're probably, I think you're right. It was just he was listed as a four star on certain uh, services. I recall one uh, recruiting analyst. I was like, "How did they take that kid?" And he said, "Well, everybody's got to have a bag man." Anyway, <laughs> um. Oh, uh, here's a funny one because uh, he was just in the Super Bowl. Tommy Townsend was in this class. Um, Tommy Townsend and his hair were in that class. <laughs> Lost the punting job to Trevor Daniel. Um, so I, I would say this class, he, they weren't, it wasn't a top five class, but he got the most out of this class. And I'm going to give, I'll give him credit for that class much more than the 2014 class. I will say that. I will go on record and go ahead and tell you the class they just signed will be better than all four of those classes. Oh, I, I, I would give you that. I would give you that too. Well, there's a, I mean, there was a borderline top 10 class. I just wanted to mention 2020 with Jeremy Pruitt. That class was better than any of Butch's classes. That class is why Tennessee went 10 and 2 last year. Portions of the program brought to you by Vassy Lawn and Garden Man Alive. It's worth the drive. Vassy Lawn and Garden in Cleveland, whether you're in Knoxville, Chattanooga, or Nashville, they've got the industrial mowers, they've got the commercial mowers, Toro. Um, it's just incredible. Toro count count on it man alive it's worth the drive that's bassy lawn and garden in cleveland if you're in nashville as well it is worth the drive we'll be back with you at 10 a.m tomorrow don't forget go ahead and set your uh phone you can do the siri remind me or something and uh do me a favor tell tell a friend all we ask we love uh being with you and check out offtooksports.com a ton of recruiting coverage and it's all free how about that for caleb calhoun i'm dave hooker this has been a presentation of off those sports